I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care about Nerf brand blasters underneath the Christmas tree. I just want one thing for you, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is for you to listen to Detroit Dark Talk. <laughs> we could splice that. <laughs> he's still, he's still Yep. Yep, it's it's Mariah Carey season, everyone. Oh, not so, yet. Uh, not until eh, eh, eh. Thanksgiving. Not until Thanksgiving. <laughs> Damn it. So, uh, welcome to Detroit Tart Talk. I'm Adam, and with me in the virtual studio today is... Tim. And, and our special guest... Hi, I'm Alex. Also known as... Detroit Dartworks. Yeah. Keeping the Detroit dart nomenclature running strong uh alex is joining us because he and i recently traveled down to i guess not down really kind of over um to grove city college home of the wolverines and one of our favorite moderators spy mike uh to go to their first quote-unquote open because it was by invite only uh, invitational. Um, so Alex and I are going to tell Adam a little bit about it and uh, go from there. So, And it wasn't just Adam and I. Um, our friend Dan, um, who you probably heard us talk about recently because he is our uh, connection to the new venue for Z13, um, drove down there with us. And then when we got down there, we met up with uh, Cody from BG Undead and buff daddy and uh buff daddy's missus and uh we all rented a airbnb together and uh hit out from the zombies there at night um so i guess before we get into um talking all about uh the adventure we had down there um adam you have any recent projects or anything my recent project is that we bought a house, so we're moving. So I packed everything up, and it's all in boxes, which is very bittersweet. But um, I got to handle all of my blasters again, all <laughs> the ones that I had been 3D printing over the past couple of years. And it was nice, and it was motivating because it sounds weird. It's like, when's the last time you've touched your blasters, right? But it's like, you know, getting down my you know, F tech and, you know, the cyber ninja and all this other stuff, like wrapped a lot of stuff in bubble wrap. There was some stuff that I just didn't wrap in bubble wrap, like just like normal nerf blasters. Like I didn't do that with the cyber ninja. I didn't do that with because the dude runs it over with a scooter and his videos it's printed in <laughs> fiber PLA and stuff. I'm just like, whatever, you know? Um, but the, I love it because of that, but I don't know, just, just, having a chance to reflect on all the good designs that have been out there. Um, yeah, so it's motivational. So hopefully uh, the design juices will flow once again one of these days. So are you saying we're going to see bliss soon? Mm, uh, uh, that's what I heard. Said it. That's what I heard. Bliss? Bliss? Ah. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Plead the fifth. <laughs> um. I know Alex and I have been working on uh, parallel projects um, last couple of days. Um, Alex, what have you been printing? 
been running the warp sias the the blitz sia mark three basically and uh, wow is it going an, well yeah it's it was such an improvement over the mark two so i i've had the mark one and the mark two i actually have the mark 1.5 i think i still have a couple of those on my shoulder uh pauldron that i wear when i'm in my full kit so it's got three single mark ones um on the shoulder and then a couple of socks for easy access for my you know grab them with my left hand and i can then i can reload and stuff um the mark three just some significant improvements like the mark two was definitely like you could see the engineering upgrade in it um but there were a couple of things i didn't care for i really didn't like how the molly um bar went in because like this thing really wove in and out and like once you put it in the first time it came out looking like a crinkle fry um so i was always worried about like if i ever had to move them or redo them that it was going to like break and then the other thing that i really didn't care for was <clears throat> i think that the main body of the mark ii was ever so slightly not deep enough eh, maybe deep isn't the right word um that the front wall and the back wall weren't far enough apart because when you had two talons in there fully pushed down, you could feel where the U-shape was like flexing because there wasn't quite enough room and it was putting quite a bit of tension on the the feed lips of the mags. Well, the way the, the warp sia, the Mark III, is designed, it eliminates that because there is no connection from the front panel underneath to the bottom panel. It basically just sandwiches all the different layers together using the bungee or the shock cord and it's all just held there with tension so what colors did you pick alex my hvz colors which the current scheme is those fluorescent yellow green and orange so yeah. the bodies are orange the side panels are green and then the shock cord is neon yellow nice nice I'm actually, uh, yeah, you will <laughs> definitely in the, in the laser tag arena, you will. Um, I'm changing my colors up a little bit too. Like Ooh. for my, for my tack year, I've always gone straight black because I, I wear a black vest and all that. Um, but this time I decided to change it up a little bit. I'm actually out of black ABS right now, um, which kind of started this. Um, but I do have three quarters or so of a roll of uh, galaxy black ASA. So I'm printing the front and back in the galaxy black ASA. And then I'm doing the, the sides, <sighs> the talon grips in my McLaren orange, and then the divider in the sky blue. So it still will match my loadout will match my color scheme, but I'm, uh, I'm diversifying because my, my tech gear that I printed has always been straight black. So I'm very excited to get, uh, get that on my loadout i got i think my uh, molly bars i think i just heard him finish printing for the first uh set which will be the ones that go on my vest um and the other thing that's cool is the front panel is a little bit wider than it was on the mark ii so when i put my loop velcro uh panels there there's a little bit more real estate for patches so i'm not stuck with just one by one square patches or the uh the worker dart patches um, I'll be able to actually put a little bit bigger patches in there, like the uh, Orange Mod Works uh, picker patch or my Devil Z 
skull patch, you know, things that are just a little bit bigger, which is kind of cool. Gives me a little bit more variety. Well, either you guys been doing anything else? I've been pretty busy. Yeah. Um, before the warp sized, I finally printed my SBL. Yeah, oh, I got yeah, it. That's awesome right. pictures. Yeah, I went with a different color scheme for that one too. I went with a, I had some pine green filament from uh, a Christmas project actually that I was printing for Christmas gifts for family. And um, so I decided that would be a interesting color to print something in. So I made it the main body pine green with gray and orange accents. That sounds cool. Like that, yeah. like, like pine green, hunter green, you know, that, that type of like sh- those shades, I think always really work well with orange. I don't know why. Yeah. It just always it goes really well. Yeah. And then gray is a nice neutral that uh, really can be worked into anything. Exactly. So I'm um, scrolling through then, show off right now looking. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Very yeah, nice. it's nice looking. Now, Although it, it inspired a uh, discussion on another Discord. That's a large Nerf Discord about realistic or semi-realistic looking blasters. And uh, that was really enlightening and frustrating at the same time yeah Mm. i didn't think it would but apparently a few people thought that or there's a group of people that think that because the sbl has that barrel shroud on it it Uh. looks a little too realistic and i i get where they're coming from but um it it basically my picture on that server bond a whole conversation on you know that slippery slope of at what point does a blaster look too real Mm. steel and what what point do colors make a difference and it was it was an, it was something I was not expecting to spawn such a big discussion. <laughs> huh. Well, I say poop on them. Yeah. Um, yeah, the yeah, the community is for sure a little adverse to um super realistic looking stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't personally feel the SBL looks all that realistic. Like it still doesn't look like a real firearm in my opinion. But I, I concur. I don't whatever. think it looks any different than like the links with the um, Ender Saves the Day Shroud looks. Mm-hmm. That's true. So is that a, like a true gray or is it like a blue gray? That is, it's a gray. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It is a weird gray. It's, it's the brand is Vox Lab, uh, which okay. is also the printer. I, the print, my printers are Vox Lab printers. And I just happened to discover that their PLA pluses were actually really nice and really cheap. Um, and yeah, it's the, it kind of has like a weird, I don't know, like slate blue undertone to it. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if, if it yeah. was maybe just the, the green was pulling out the blue. Or no, if it actually... definitely is. Like if you compare it to like a standard, like, you know, like your hatchbox gray. Yeah. It's a lot more towards like the blue green spectrum. Gotcha. Than that, I, I think it, it definitely yeah. has some pigment to it. I think it on definitely works. One of with my this. monitors, it looks very much like just a gray green, and the other one, it looks a little more gray. But it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it goes well. I think having that having that slight hue to it actually lended itself to going with that pine green pretty well. I was happy. Yeah, it definitely looks good. And then if I want to keep the, the project train rolling just because I somehow did a lot, I also upgraded my Dart Zone Pro Mark III. Uh, and it, it's it's a scary blaster now. I saw the video you posted. <laughs> it sounds insane. Yeah, it's it's so I, I did like the triple Kraken 
replace the pusher motor with a Kraken, all that stuff. It's got the new uh, Kepler wheels from Kuriaka in it. Daybreak version three, essentially. Um, have not run it through a chronograph yet, but it, if it's shooting as fast as the other ones that have a Kraken pusher motor, it's I think they said something like sixteen darts a second on three S. Yeah, that'll and, do it. And and it's great too because I can just put my two S lipo in it and it's shooting under a one thirty for HVC. That's perfect. I love yeah, it. and it's like obviously the pusher's a little slower too, but yeah. not that much slower. Well, and, and honestly, in in HVZ, you want slower full auto so you can spray yeah. a crowd of zombies. Exactly. Right. So, what's the? I mean, do you expect more accuracy with the Kuriaka wheels, like the Kepler wheels, or so? I guess what was the point of the upgrade other than rate of fire? And I guess on three S, the McCrackens with the daybreaks would probably get you more FPS than the stock wheel setup. And I imagine a little more accuracy because of the concavity, right? Um, the biggest thing was that the stock wheels with the stock cage, you know, if you look at it and measure it, it's a really high crush setup. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of daybreaks, not just for performance, but I, they're very gentle on darts at 41 millimeter you know, spacing um for what for the performance at least and so i was going with it kind of as a you know for for being able to reuse my darts and not just like go through them and one and done them um but yeah i i I kind of am in the camp that i feel that concave wheels do help with accuracy in flywheelers um and i just i know for a fact from other blasters i built that you can undervolt Krakens with daybreaks at 41 millimeters and have an HVZ spec blaster. So that was kind of my idea. And why I chose the Keplers was they were brand new and I just kind of impulse bought them as soon as Kuriaka released them because I like daybreak so much. <laughs> and then I needed something to put them in. So I said, why not the Mark III? Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll be interested to play around with that the next time uh, we get together. For see, sure. See what it like, looks like. I still have to get my hands on a Mark III. I still got to get my hands on the orange Mark II. Uh, maybe, maybe for my birthday, my wife will treat me. I've hinted. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, let's get into uh, our adventures in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, we uh, we recently, a few months ago, had the um, adventure of going to Athens. And playing there for some of us again, for others of us, it was their first time, like Adam or uh, Alex. Um, and we had fun, and we we've spent an episode talking about that, so I won't rehash it. I'll encourage you to go listen to that that episode there. Um, but uh, what a pleasure this event was! I I really enjoyed it. I I, I assume that you as well did, Alex, right? was one of the most fun events i've i've attended many events but from the ones i have attended it was one of the most fun ones i have done uh, i thought especially for being their first you know invitational first time having outsiders come in absolutely i thought it was handled very well yeah um i know that uh <laughs> after the event uh, we spent a good amount of time discussing, and and we'll bring up some of the yeah. the points that we talked about um, 
at dinner and, and afterwards um, for what we would have, what we would suggest, I think, as um, constructive criticism. But honestly, even if they didn't take any of that to heart and ran another event the exact same way they did uh, this one, it is absolutely worth the trip. So, um, when we're at its nitpicking, yeah, like we just want to help make you perfect. <laughs> well, and and that's it. I I wouldn't even really call it nitpicking. Um, I I kind of feel like we're debriefing ourselves, um, in the hopes that Mike and his his team of admin listen to this and look at the feedback that I know that uh, uh, certain veterans from the hobby have submitted and they can find some stuff within that to uh, make their club even better because they have such a solid foundation right now that uh, it was a breath of fresh air uh, after we've seen several of the Ohio clubs kind of implode on themselves. Um, You know, there's still Athens out there is still uh, putting up the good fight. And I know that uh, BG Undead is trying to get their wheels going again. Um, but I, unfortunately, as, as much as it pains my heart, I think we have probably seen the last of Youngstown. Oh, wait, Akron just had an, uh, invitational. Um, I know that some of the guys from, uh, five minute respawn went to that one. So we'll have to tune into them to see what they thought of that. Um, but, uh, let's, uh, let's kick it right off. So <laughs> from the beginning, um, so something that was a little bit weird and, and it created some confusion before we got there. Once we were on site, we kind of understood a little bit better. So check-in and mission one's briefing were in Hicks hall, which is in the lower, like the South East corner of campus. Um, but they made it very clear that we were not coming back to Hicks Hall after Mission 1, so don't bring anything and leave anything there, because they pretty much had to clear out right away. Um, so we get there, we check in, we start walking down, and we start getting looks, because we're all fully kitted out. And and now we're running bad weather blasters at this point, because it was raining that morning. So I'm carrying my uh, Retalicon um, that Slater sent me and, um, everybody else is running their bad weather blasters cause they don't want to pull out the good flywheels, but we're fully kitted out. We've got all got vests on with, you know, just tons of magazines and ammo and, and a, uh, Busby, uh, compound bow without the arms and, uh, it worked after someone experimenting on it the <laughs> night before. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I should have, I should, I should have brought that up during projects. um but like people just stopped what they were doing and started turning heads and i guess somebody actually like commented man i feel underprepared now because we came in loaded for bear um and i was starting to get worried that it was going to be another athens situation where we just had so much firepower that uh the game was not going to be able to adapt and answer our firepower because in addition to um the six people that i mentioned in that were staying in our airbnb we also had brain and daisy and um oh what's the he's gonna kill me for this the red team moderator that uh heads up 
uh, or headed up BG. D- uh, Donovan? What? Damien. Damien. Yes, Damien. Yeah. Uh, Damien was there, and um, um, gosh, who else? Oh, Garguncle. How can I forget Garguncle? Um, so we walked down to the front where the rest of them all are, um, and it, like we had a decent amount of firepower sitting in the front row there. Uh, and then, so mission one was supposed to be like, so the theme of this invitational was like a video game, like, uh, like a adventure type Indiana Jones style, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, um, adventure, like a platformer almost. So mission one was designed to be that on a rail, like learn how to use all your controls uh, first mission that you get in those types of games. So they split us up into three different groups and Mike took our group. Um, and so he took us out into campus and he was walking around showing us points of interest that we should have been paying closer attention to, uh, which we'll come back to later. Um, and like at one point he stopped and he was making us, you know, use the A button and the B button and crouch and, and walk forward and jump and all, all the, the classic things that you, uh, uh, might try to do, um, or that, that a game will have you do so that you learn the controls. Um, I even tried to do up, up, down, down, left, right, BA, select, start at one point, but nothing happened. At least to my knowledge, I was sad that he didn't give us a bonus for that. I don't know. Maybe that's why I got a, a, a respawn later on. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it was it was a clever way to show us campus. Um, you know, Mike had told us on the side he did not expect anybody to die. Mission one. Now, to me, that says that he had told his his uh, moderators and his specials to act threatening, but not really go after anybody unless they were completely disregarding normal play. Um, which you know, that's kind of like a mission zero type thing. And, and I wish, I guess, I guess here is the first um, constructive criticism. I wish they had done that as mission zero on Friday night. Um, you know, walk you around campus uh, show you the different points, get you acclimated to the area. And then if somebody dies, that's part of why people like a mission zero where it isn't permanent because you can be a little less cautious, get to know the area a little bit better, get to stretch your legs. And if you do get nommed, then you're not wasting the, well, I shouldn't say wasting the weekend because of you, a weekend playing fully zombie is still better than a weekend at work. Right. Um, but you're, you're not bummed out cause you lugged all that gear out for nothing. Um, so I, and it, again, I may just be making assumptions, but I kind of felt like the mission one, you really would have had to work at it to get eaten in mission one. Um, but because our team had all of the heavy firepower and all of the experienced veterans, uh, I do think that the um the special which was the well, he was a boomer at that point right alex he was their version of a tank which was a volatile i believe was he a volatile yeah because or... you could only get him with socks and i think mega okay so and he could run yeah. yeah 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 he could run that's right so yeah they had a special out and they had you know i don't know what they 
five or six starter zombies? I believe it was six starters. Yeah, yeah six starter zombies besides yeah. him. So they, they gave us a little bit of encounter just to kind of, you know, add flavor and and, and you know, build the atmosphere. But I don't think anybody was actually in danger, although they did come at our team a little bit harder, clearly, than they were going at the other team, uh, other two uh, human teams. Because uh, yeah, we left all... the other two teams alone and just harassed us yeah. all the way back. <laughs> yeah, because we all kind of converged at that one point. So, uh, so yeah, Mission 1 was just kind of like the introduction uh, to the controls of the video game, uh, you know, walk around campus mission. Um, so then mission two, we get to the briefing room and this, this is honestly, I think was my favorite thing of the entire invitational. So Grove city college has over, um, so they have, they have, they have what they call upper campus and lower campus, and it's divided by Wolf Creek. Um, and on the, I guess it would be the North Northwest side of Wolf Creek is where their stadium is their um like their uh rec i am building um they have some apartments over there that are uh, campus owned uh their alumni house all that type of stuff is on what they call lower campus which is on the other side of the creek well right up against the creek between um a four like between the creek and the um stadium with a football stadium is this little like Grotto Grove nature trail. Um, and for anybody, I couldn't think of the name of this when we were actually there, but for anybody who's played World of Warcraft, it very much reminded me of the um, Alliance encampment in the Arathi Highlands. Um, it's just like, you know, there were three paths leading out of the area, and the area was a safe zone um, that you could go to, into at any point. Um, but it was all outdoors, like very wooded, very forested. Like the campus has put up like hammock posts there so students can come and put out their hammocks and just relax and stuff. But it just, it very much added to the flavor of being immersed like 100% of the time. Because normally when you go to an invitational, your briefings are, you know, either, you know, when we were in Athens, they were out behind one of the buildings, but usually you're in a, a conference or a, uh, you know, lecture hall, you know, and you, you go to the lecture hall, you get your briefing, you have your presentations up on the slides, and then you deploy out into campus and you do your mission. Then you come back to the briefing room and then you go back out and it's, it's, you know, it's breaking it up, which it's cool because you can leave all your stuff there, um, without fear of like it getting rained on or anything like that. Um, but it kind of breaks up the monotony. And so having this little like nature area that they had set up as I think they called it the the merchant um something or other. What do they call it, Alex? They called it um mer- it was a gypsy something. Yeah, gy- gypsy merchant village or something. Anyway, it was it was it was set up um so that was the safe zone. That was the briefing area if you're willing to risk possibly getting a little bit uh your gear a little bit wet you are welcome to bring and, and leave stuff laying out there um so like for the rest of the day we would deploy from this little um little grotto area so to speak uh and i really really enjoyed that i thought it was great um so then 
we get over there, we drop our gear, and they announce Mission 2. And Mission 2 was the mini-missions, right? Series of side quests, and we were told that it would benefit us greatly to do as many of them as possible. Yes. And that you could repeat them. Yeah. Now, and this was something else I thought was ingenious. Um, They said that Mission 2, so this was at like, what, like 9 a.m., I think? Maybe it was, it might have been 10, because I think we were running a little late by then. Okay, so, but still, so 10 a.m. Yeah, morning. Yeah, Um, and they said Mission 2 would run all the way until, was it 1.30? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so open-ended Mission 2, and you could go and get lunch at any point throughout that time frame. Um, So some people could go right away, some people could do missions and then go later, um, but you weren't really as crunched up against a clock as you are at an invitational trying to get back within you know, 30 or 60 minutes uh, to make that next mission briefing. So I, I thought that was a really clever way of combating that. Um, and then, it, like Alex said, it was just mini-missions. So uh, they had different NPCs uh, just kind of standing or, or p- positioned around the, mer- uh, the gypsy merchant area. Um, and you could go talk to them, and they would give you one or more missions. So, like, I know one of the missions that we chose not to do was we had to go kill a special uh, using pistols and socks only. We couldn't use flywheels. Um, so we opted not to do that because most of our party had flywheelers at that point. We had gone and gotten our FDLs and our Griffins and and all of that. Um, we did do an escort mission because um, the game was supposedly glitching. So one of the... Um, scientists working on the game we had to escort him out to the glitch so he could analyze it and fix it and then escort him back um there was a mission where there was a special zombie that needed to be hit with mega or socks three times and he had a whole uh um cavalry of reinforcement zombies around him blocking the shots so that we never got more than one on mission i found out what was it that was the assassination mission. They yeah. rolled it into it yeah, and as so, like an optional thing. Yeah, that so, was a little point of confusion. Yeah, and that's what I was just about to say. So one of the things, and I, and I included this in my uh, feedback form, and I don't remember who, maybe Cody initially suggested this idea, but a posting board, you know, and you'll see those sometimes in video games. So it would have been in, in character or in theme, like have a posting board with each NPC's picture and then the quests that they offer. And it doesn't have to go into great detail, but you can have, you know, so like, um, I forget off the top of my head, the name of Mike's, uh, NPC, who is basically like the Dr. Jones character. There, um, one of them was Z, um, who was like a engineer type person. But anyways, all the different NPCs had a quest or two, but you could put a picture of the NPC, their name, um, and then you could put, uh, you know, the, you know, come up with a, uh, trendy name for the quest and you could say it's an escort mission or a resource gathering mission or an assassination mission Then you could rate the difficulty. Um, you know, you, and then you could also even like keep track of how many times people have done it on there or not, you know, but it would have given a starting point for people to know 
what quests were out there and who to go talk to to get them because we you know we because it had stopped raining our entire group went back to the cars to switch out to our higher firepower blasters we ran over to uh, Rite Aid to grab some snacks because we were hungry. So by the time we had gotten back, some of the NPCs I think were either out on missions or had like just kind of wandered off because nobody was taking their missions. Um, so we weren't quite sure which people and what what quests were available to us. Um, so having something like um, a fixed in place list of the quests for that I think would have been the nice next level up of organizing uh, what was a really cool concept. Mission 2 did extremely well, and I would like to think it was intentional, was it encouraged like smaller squads of humans to yes. take a mission and go out. And I think they said by the time we got back from our little gear up, go to Rite Aid trip, uh, when I was asking what was going on, and I think it was one of the f- folks from France Foamworks said that they thought about 15 humans had already been turned. <laughs> yeah, and and coaxing the players out in the smaller groups like that definitely um, helps the zombies get a few kills early on. And that's another thing. Yeah. Now that now that I think about it, that's another thing you could even include in the listing of quests on the the posting board is how many slots. Um, before that that quest is filled, how many people can go out on that quest at any one time, um, right. which would even work to that benefit more, you know. And if you realize that uh, you know a particular mission is uh, really taking its toll on the human players, then you pull that one down off the board. That one's been fully completed. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, a very fresh take. Um, and something that I haven't seen in the, um, oh, I've lost count. I think, I think I'm right around a dozen invitationals altogether now. Um, I'll have to look at all my maps and stuff. Um, but it, it was a very cool idea and it kind of, uh, a little in the vein of what we do at Z13, although everybody's playing the same mission when we do it. To your point about having a mission zero, you know, being like that tutorial the night before, if you open the day with side quests, essentially, then you wouldn't necessarily, like besides safety briefing, you could kind of have that not all start at once so that you could deal with the late players coming in. As long as someone's there to kind of do batches of maybe many safety briefings, you could essentially handle that and not have to wait. Like kind of, we, we were a little late arriving, and I feel like that, us and a few other people kind of made their delayed the whole start of the event a little bit because they knew we were on the way. So having that kind of more open-ended, you might be able to deal with late arrivals. That's a really good point. Uh, I, I like it. I applaud it. Um, good call. So yeah, so that was mission two. Um, and then, so like I said, we went and grabbed some snacks early on, so we didn't really do lunch. So we were doing mission two quests until it was time for mission three now what was mission three i feel like um mission three we had a task to escort the professor which i looked up the names professional professor herschel brooks (laughs) um yeah 
and it, we were escorting him and his assistants Z and Rust uh, through the game campus, uh, hitting a series of temple doors that we had to unlock with pressure plates. Um, and with the end goal being to retrieve an in-game artifact, which was a dagger. Right. Um, yeah. It was all like testing out the basically testing out the level layout of the game. Uh, because I think there was some side thing about something weird was happening in the game and they needed to walk through it as players or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think they brought us in because we had a skill set that they felt would help them diagnose the issue or whatever it was. Yeah. So we started out from the Grove. Um, now, there are only two ways to get from the lower campus to the upper campus. You can either walk on the main street uh, on a uh, car bridge that goes over Wolf Creek or um, on a little path a little ways north of where the, um, I'm going to call it the grotto, is. Um, There is what is known as Rainbow Bridge. Uh, And this is the only point actually on campus to get from lower campus to upper campus. So it was really kind of a choke point the entire day if our mission spanned between the two parts of campus. So we crossed over Rainbow Bridge, and then we hung a left into the woods, and that's where the first hold area was. Now, they were using um, foam letter, um, like interlocking squares that you'd see like in a nursery or a preschool as pressure plates. And so we had to hold on those pressure plates for, I think it was, what, three minutes, Alex? Yeah, I think it was three minutes. Um, all the while, there were some zombies and a special kind of moving in and out and, and organizing some rushes. And it was it was a pretty easy hold at that one. So we, we hold for the amount of time, and then we got to kind of climb up a hill to get up onto upper campus proper. Um, where we kind of skirted around the ed- northern edge of campus and then came down a little ways into uh, which one of their um, residence hall areas. And it was in like kind of a courtyard. And, we're, and as we're looking um, at this one side of the building, there is an archway. And what uh, Dr. Herschel Brooks has told us is that this is one of the cheats of the game where we can clip through the walls and face a face some super special zombies and if we do that then what did it unlock it it meant that we didn't have to escort him all the way back or something we just had to hold at the third point i think it was exactly what it unlocked but i do know that off to the side i believe mike had said that because we had such heavy firepower we were just going to do that anyways okay (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think technically it unlocked a safe route back. Yeah. So basically what this part of the mission entailed was we could have 10 players go into this courtyard and there was only like, like the zombies were kind of camped out in front of the archway. Um, and it was the only archway we realized was available at the time. It turned out there was another archway, probably about a hundred feet, um, to our left. Um, so once we realized that we were able to get a few more players in, um, unfortunately, I think most of our heavy firepower ended up going into that courtyard 
to kite. There were tanks that we had to (laughs) kite onto pressure plates and hold them there by hitting them with socks for so long. And once we had a tank on each of the four pressure plates that uh, it unlocked that area. Uh, But while Cody and myself and Daisy and a few others were in there doing that with the tanks, uh, the rest of the humans out holding at the archway kind of got wiped. Um, I was holding in. I was holding in that that wipe uh, outside the archway. We uh, so we held up. There was a tree in the center of the larger courtyard we were in. Yeah, and we chose that tree to be our rallying point because at that time the zombies had lamp post respawn. Oh God. So whenever there was a lamppost, That's the zombies right. could touch it and instantly respawn. And yeah, there were a lot of lampposts. <laughs> there were, but it isn't as bad. Like, so I know that Five Minute Respawn has talked about tree spawn, where they went to a game yeah. where any tree was a respawn point. It wasn't that bad. Um, you know, the lampposts, there were quite a few, but they were never too close together. Um, and the moderators did their best to kind of walk the group, keeping them as far from any one lamppost as possible, um, to kind of make the zombies have to work a little bit longer, um, in respawning. This was where the, another slight issue that, you know, we had talked, we've already talked to Micah and them about, but it, it benefits them to bring it up happened, which was, uh, there's, there were a lot of. I would say inexperienced or newer players and very enthusiastic players, uh, both as humans and zombies. And during that hold at that tree, while we were waiting for you all in the courtyard, um, we kind of noticed that some of the zombies were not quite reaching their lampposts to respawn and weren't quite pulling their headbands off to signify that they were stunned or not. And that led to some confusion about who was in, who was not in, and the group kind of wiped. Um, I won't say because of that, but it definitely kind of felt like that was part of what had happened. And I think, you know, the moderating team there did a really good job of seeing that happen. I know I pulled a moderator, I think I pulled Mike and another moderator off to the side, and just kind of mentioned that... Uh, some of the zombie, newer zombie players maybe need a quick refresher on, you know, make sure you hit your respawns, make sure you pull the headband off to say you're out. Uh, so they kind of gave everyone a who wiped there a, a opportunity to resurrect and continue on if they chose to. So I, I took that opportunity. Yeah, and I, think <laughs> I that, was not ready to be a zombie yet. I think a lot of that happened while we were in the courtyard actually dealing with the tanks. Yep, it um, did. Because I, th- I think it had all settled down by the time we got back out. You um, guys came out while he was offering us the respawn, I believe. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because we actually came out of that uh, southern archway that we didn't realize yep. was there to begin with. Um, and I don't think the zombies really realized it was there either because they weren't protecting the entrance or the exit. Uh, at all, um, we oh, came, they were holed up at the uh, northern arch. Yeah, we we came out out of there pretty unmolested. Um, so that was the second hold point, um, and then from there we came back south down to where their uh, stem building is, and kind of 
uh, we're working our way around to where the final hold point was, and this is where I got turned. Um, I I was walking on one of the paths, and I got distracted, and next thing I know, I look over my shoulder, and there's a zombie smiling at me, and just he just reached out and and uh, reached out and touched someone. So, um, so I actually trying to remember. I don't think I went back to the grotto and dumped my gear. Uh, but I, I kind of got separated from the zombie group at that point, um, because the next thing I knew, I was walking from the courtyard close to where I got tagged into the parking lot on the far side of the physical learning center, uh, which is where I met up with Dan, who had also gotten turned. I think he got turned at the the uh, the tree hold, and had- Dan got turned with me and. He had already stripped his gear off by the right. time the respawn got offered, so he didn't want to gear yeah. back up. And he's yeah. like, I'll just stay as Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he unfortunately had left his gear down there. And, you know, that's probably a third of the way across campus from where we were yeah. at that point. So he and I walked back to the arches so he could grab his gear. Um, so we kind of missed that the, the next little final rush. But you were there, right, Alex? I was. So <laughs> walk us through the, the final part of mission three. So I'll start where you got turned. Uh, we were heading across a courtyard, I believe from their science and math building up towards the physical learning building parking lot. And we look back or I look back and I see Tim surrounded by zombies and his head, his uh, armband is in his hand. And uh, I believe Cody was with me at the time. And <laughs> Uh, Cody just looked at me and said, oh, no, they got Tim. I'm keeping you alive, buddy. (laughs) So at that point, I think Brain was still alive, but Buff Daddy had been turned as well. Yeah, Buff got turned before we went into the archways. Yeah, Uh, he tried to rush it with the group. Right, that was a clean kill, and he kept it. Um, Yeah. But to build on what you just said about Cody looking at you and saying he was going to keep you alive, we, we forgot to mention you know, oh, yeah. all, everybody who knows Cody knows that he's the one that causes safety briefs. Like he has his own <laughs> ouch pouch that he carries on his kit. Uh, he is our accident prone uh, zoom zoom runner. And in yeah. true Cody fashion, he twisted his ankle 15 minutes <clears throat> into mission one. <laughs> so he's injured uh, walking yep. around on an injured ankle looks at Alex and says, I'm keeping you alive because you were having issues with your Griffin at that point, right? I was. Yeah. Yeah. My Griffin decided it it worked flawlessly for my friend at Z13 and uh, decided to get jammed up on the pusher return uh, at Grove City. I don't know if it was some parts wearing. I don't know if it was humidity issues or what, but uh, I think Dan's Griffin is having some issues too. Cause I printed Dan, a, an ABS, uh, like a mm-hmm. pistol style Griffin. Um, I almost wonder, at least in my, the one I printed for him, I, I wonder if the geared pusher, like the actual pushing bar has warped some, you know, cause you will get that occasion, especially if you pull an ABS part off the bed too quickly, you'll, you'll get that before it kind of has a chance to cool down and set. I'm wondering if his pusher is warped, uh, because like it'll, extend all the way but then as it goes to retract it kind of like binds up a little bit and you get like maybe a third of an inch of pusher kind of just sticking out so it doesn't come off 
the back of the next dart fully to get behind it. I don't know. And I'm not sure if that's what's happening with yours is that it's not it's retracting similar. fully. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not retracting fully, but so I could flick kind of flick on the trigger a little bit with my finger and get it to pop back. But yeah. it meant that I was not able to uh, rattle off shots. I could get one guaranteed shot off. So I was making my first shots count and then, but I knew I knew follow up shots were not a guaranteed thing. It was like a fifty fifty if the next shot would go off clean uh, or not. I used to get so that with good. my with my strife, but I think that was a matter of I was using old darts and they were mushy, and the mm-hmm. pusher would just mush into the dart instead of pushing it forward. But uh, yeah, but uh, so Cody looks at me, tells me he's going to keep me alive. We head across the courtyard. Um, fighting off the few zombies that were kind of still trailing and harassing our group at that point. Uh, and r- honestly, right as a, a few zombies who had snuck around um, into that parking lot were about to rush us, the uh, they basically called a game hold uh, for the zombies to go back to the zombie mod, and the humans had reached a safe kind of hold point where we were supposed to be protected. Um, now that hold point and, is in between, it's like the courtyard of, I think they've referred to it as shale, Staley, yeah. all of arts and letters. Yes. It was the center courtyard of that kind yeah. of building complex. Um, and while we were in there, we did not get attacked. The zombies kind of, I think the zombie mod might've been talking to the zombies about what was coming next. I'm not sure, but they gave us about three minutes to hold there. Um, I, I know think originally I passed... we were supposed to get encounters there, but ah. they kind of, they realized the humans had lost a lot of people at that point. Okay. Cause I know that Dan and I passed by there while you guys were holding. Yes, when, you when did. Were, I saw you. Yeah, <laughs> the two of us, like we were looking into the courtyard, wondering what was going on as we passed by to go back to the, uh, because when we took off out the south end of that courtyard for the next part, I was keeping an eye out because I thought you were getting sneaky and were going to sneak around the building and try to uh, flank us. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. Um, so we did our hold. We proceeded out of the courtyard to... That was the final uh, final door to the temple uh, was that courtyard hold where we it was not eventful. It was basically a breather because we were all exhausted. Uh, so we proceeded around the south end of shale hall and there's a little i don't know roundabout parking circle something like that on the back side of that building and there is a uh, like a placard that they had laid a uh, prop dagger on right at the base of this large hill so at this point we don't see any zombies and the NPCs, the professor and his assistants say, all right, everyone, wait here. We're going to go retrieve the dagger. And then we'll be, you know, clear to walk. We'll be clear to head back because you did the hold earlier, basically. Uh, so I'm rear guard at that point, keeping an eye on the back of the building because we thought for sure zombies are going to try to surround us. Something's going to happen. This can't be the end. And so I missed seeing what happened next. I kind of turned as I heard everyone kind of gasp but the assistant z grabbed the professor uh and the dagger and held him hostage and the other assistant npc rust came running back to us basically just screaming i don't know what's happening but run and then we hear this zombie horde 
unleash a cry and come charging over the top of the hill like the, I can only describe it like the scene in Mulan where the Huns crest the valley hill <laughs> <laughs> and they're oh, all nice. screaming it was a great moment and I found out later that because it was drizzling rain the photographer did not get that moment oh, on no. camera oh, that would have unless been someone fantastic. else did maybe someone's head cam was running I hope yeah that's true I know um, Buff would have been with the zombies <laughs> at that point but I know he was capturing footage um, yeah was he Bra- might have gotten it I was don't know was Brain a zombie at that point maybe Brain got some footage we'll have to check I right don't him. know if Brain was I don't th- I don't think Brain was but he might no, have been not. Um, but yes, so they came charging. I doubt any humans got good footage because we followed the NPC advice. We turned and we sprinted around that building as fast as we could. <laughs> uh, now I'm not a fast person <laughs> and I was loaded. I had a mag bag on, so I was slower than even normal slow Alex and Cody is running right behind me and just going, just keep going. I got your back, bud. And I hear his little Kestrel popping off shots as zombies come in behind us. That Kestrel was amazing. <laughs> like, I was super great. impressed with that. Just a super small form factor with a solenoid. That thing. Yeah. And it sounds insane and insanely intense, but that's just because it's yeah. flywheel the world motors. <laughs> but yeah, so we, I think all the humans made it back to that courtyard, you know, in between, in the middle of shale. Um, and from there we did get a safe walk back to the grotto yeah (laughs) but that was a i mean i don't i don't think anyone got turned in that moment but it was besides the point where i later got turned in mission four uh that was probably the most like oh my god moment that sounds like it i'm sorry i missed yeah it was they did a very good job and from what i heard and you know maybe this will get clarified later but from what i heard that charge down the hill was not the moderator team's idea that was apparently player driven nice so kudos to the locals well i mean it just goes to show that if you're playing you know in in a good area and you've got good players that you know the uh intensity will write itself yeah very cool so um it was clear that too many humans had turned to um, have a balanced mission for, I think. So uh, they started strategically handing out some uh, resurrections to certain players. So Dan and I both got to come back at that point as humans. Uh, we graciously accepted. Um, and then so we went out for mission four. Now, mission four was a MacGuffin search. Um, there were four artifacts on campus that the trader Z um, had said that she would trade the professor for. So we had to find two of the four artifacts and bring them to her. Um, I know one of them. So, Alex, I'm looking at your map right now. One of them was over past the Colonial Hall apartments up by where we went for mission two. Yes. Yes. One was up there. I think I actually drew in my map that mission two line was actually the mission four line. Well, we did go over there for mission two. Uh, actually, I don't, yeah. think, I don't think we went there. Uh, for we went around two. the front side Correct. of the building. Yeah. Cause yep. that's where the glitch was. Yeah. Cause mission two, I think that 
that's where the the MacGuffin was for mission two or mission four, excuse yeah. me, was where I drew that line. But yeah, so we knew that there were four MacGuffins out there, and we w- operated on the assumption that there would not be um, zombies deployed and guarding every single one. So we listened to some locals, and we th- we were pretty reasonably certain there wouldn't be too many at that. Uh, that northernmost uh, objective out by the Colonial Hall apartments on the other side of the football field. Uh, that was so, the only one on lower campus, too. Correct. So we went and yeah. we, we snagged that one. There was a tank there that was kind of like part of the objective. And after we got the MacGuffin, the tank started uh, following us back. Um, so we, we booked it back around and went over Rainbow Bridge up onto upper campus um, and that tank followed us most of the way. Um, but then she buggered off into the safe zone. Um, but the second objective was actually right. Um, after you get up the stairs, after you cross rainbow bridge, the, the main like campus flagpole is right there. Um, and the second objective was there. Unfortunately, that's where pretty much all of the zombies were waiting for us because they figured well, they're either going to come across the Main Street Bridge or they're going to come across Rainbow Bridge, and there's an objective right by Rainbow Bridge. So a lot of them were waiting for us there. Um, and what kind of got a little sticky was that there was um, a volleyball game going on right there as well, as well as we encountered just some NPCs um, walking through the area. So... We had to call a couple of game holds, and then, you know, because the zombies um, kept moving in a direction where we potentially were firing into the volleyball game, we called a game hold, and we were trying to get the moderator to just, like, pick up that current objective and move it over some so that we would not be playing in an area that uh, we were potentially shooting into non-players. Um but I think, and it was Rust that was with us, the the lab coat guy. I think he either chose or decided that it would just be easier to move on to a different MacGuffin, or he misunderstood what we were saying. But instead of moving the current objective over, he started to take off down the um, the main greenway towards one of the other objectives. Uh, so we kind of got spread out and split up at that point. Um, right in front of Right, total run and gun from that point yeah, on. And, uh, and something we, we haven't mentioned yet, um, like in Mission 3 where they had lamp post spawn, oh, yeah. for Mission 4 they had building sign spawn. So if you touched a sign that was the name of that specific building, so it couldn't be like a directory sign, it had to be the actual like name of one building on the sign, like right in front of that building, the players could touch that and respawn. So we had to be very strategic about where we ran. So we were going up and down the middle of the main green um, in campus there while still trying to get to where Z was because we did manage to get the MacGuffin at the, the flagpole there. Um, and then we knew Z was over by the STEM building on the backside, almost right exactly where I got turned in Mission 3. Um, 
So we come around the south side of the STEM building and fight our way up. There was like a little like, um, uh, I don't know what the right term for it is, a reverse balcony where it was lower than the green. Um, but Z was there sitting at a table with uh, the doctor and we turned in the uh, MacGuffins and freed the doctor. And then we had to escort him back to the grotto. Um, so it was just a complete run and gun push. Even though he couldn't be killed, we still had to make it back, uh, and we were not safe. So that was that, that was an issue we talked about with afterwards. There was a group of humans that wanted to do, I think, what Mike had dubbed later the tactical mosey, where it was just methodically make our way safely to where we need to go while not exhausting ourselves. And a lot of the humans were more lightly geared up. And the locals apparently really like the run and gun style from what I was hearing, talking to people. So we had a group kind of stretching the humans out, trying to rush the objective back and stuff. Yeah. Uh, which did benefit us, especially on our way back, because that's where I got turned well, was on the way back. And there were also several specials, if I remember correctly. There were. Yeah. So it, yeah. that kind of led lent itself to the run and gun aspect of it because when you had that many specials um, kind of pushing you you couldn't amble as as mosley as you might have liked i think we needed to strike a balance though because the the the, the head of our group would run right close to building signs without really caring and we had smart zombies who would get tagged and sprint to the front of the group to tag back in ahead of them. So they were just constantly being harassed um, without kind of, in my opinion, being as tactical as they should have been with their directions. Um, but yeah, it, it was at that point that my I noticed my knee was starting to get a little stiff just from running so much. And I'm out of shape at this point because yay pandemic and, you know, being a stay-at-home dad. Uh, so I realized that if I could probably make it back, but I might not enjoy the rest of my day if I did. So I just turned and decided to unload my mag as many zombies as I could. Now it turns out I only had three shots left in that mag, so I didn't do much, <laughs> but, uh, they, and, you know, they got me right away. Um, but I had already fallen behind the group at that point. So I kind of resigned myself that, all right, I'm going to have some fun playing as a zombie from now on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the rest of us all made it back to the grotto. Um, and then I'm trying to remember, and we didn't break for food at that point. So it was just, uh, we make it back to the grotto and at this point it's now final stand, which, um, final stand was pretty straightforward. We had to make it to where Z was hiding and just straight up shooter with a mega sounds very, very doable. Um, there were, uh, there was at least two juggernauts, right? Final stand, there were five specials. Right, I think there were um, two juggernauts and three boomers? There were two boomers. Okay. There was, there was someone else acting like a boomer who should not have been. <laughs> yeah, well. But they were not a boomer. Um, and then there were... At least two, if not three, juggernauts, because okay. I was a juggernaut. Now, juggernaut, for everyone else, because this confused us a bit, is an Ohio tank. Yeah. 
operates the same um, as you would see at End War or Youngstown or Athens. Or Z13, yeah. I want to come back. I, I don't want to go into in-depth in naming of specials and stuff. Right. I want to come back to that after we finish talking. Yeah, about the game that's part. fair. Um, so north of the grotto is like some uh, track and field type. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In, not enclosures and uh, fixtures, uh, like a, you know, like there's a like a pole vaulting area and a long jumping area. Um, there's also just an open field area, and then across uh, there's there's like a walking path, and on the other side of that, there's a fire pit, like a really nice built up fire pit, and then like a gazebo. So Z was sitting in the gazebo, and most of the zombies were kind of milling about, ambling about in front of the gazebo, acting as a barrier. So Cody and myself and Dan and a few other players are like, we just have to get her with one mega. Okay, we can easily do this. So Cody came up with this kamikaze suicide plan that he was going to get as close as he could, run up, and if he died, he died, but he was pretty confident he could get in close and pop off a mega from a big shot he had hidden in his um, hoodie. Now, if we did manage to get Z, game mechanic-wise, zombies then had one life left, and we just had to outlast the zombies. But until then, the fire pit that I had talked about uh, was a touch respawn, and they had two boomers out. And what we man or we managed to miss during our planning of running up and Cody suiciding was that these boomers could run. So we thought they were going to be slow plotting and um, not able to get into um, close and and uh, get into effective range quickly, but they could, and that kind of is what threw off our strategy. Because uh, Cody got turned pretty quick, and then I was over there unloading some mags and uh, was paying attention to. I think <laughs> I think that was when the group ran back into the grotto because um, the zombies kind of broke a line that was holding, and some of the humans ran back in the grotto. I think to get more firepower because because I know Dan came back out with a Prometheus. But while that was kind of going on, I uh, wasn't paying too much attention to my surroundings. <laughs> and then I hear jug, 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 hand on shoulder, jug. And I look over my shoulder and Alex is smiling at me. It was it was a crowning achievement for my day. <laughs> Because I, I had jokingly said I would love to get Tim out, but I'm playing a special that can only walk. And technically, I guess I didn't have to announce my presence. They didn't have that rule. But uh, I like to play a very threatening tank, as you know. Um, thanks to uh, one Mr. Pinnell inspiring me at Athens. And um, I uh, so I was announcing my presence. Um, and I did not expect to get any tags. I just wanted to scare some human players at that point, which uh, apparently I did. <laughs> and 
and I see Tim as a, one of humans kiting me around, and he just books off into the distance. And I look around, and the closest human to me is about 20 feet away, and, and it's my buddy Tim looking the wrong way. But uh, I did. I, I kept shouting, and Tim did not kind of register that, hey, this shouting is getting louder. <laughs> yeah, I'll, so. I'll, I'll chalk it up. One part, I'm used to hearing tank, not jug. And two parts, uh, well, one part I had not taken my ADD medicine that day, so <laughs> I was just living in the moment. And the other part was I was watching all the confusion unfold at the other end of the battlefield with the players who had run into the safe zone and come back out with the Promethei and stuff. And then, yeah. you know, and, and it's just like, you know, smells, you know, your body is designed to tune out repetitive yep. things after an amount of time. Or you literally can go insane. So, like, I had been hearing Alex shout jug, 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 because that's he was a juggernaut, not a tank. Um, and I think I had just kind of, like, blotted out the threat that he possessed or presented, uh, assumed he was going after other people, and I was the closest target. So I aggroed. Um, so I dropped Actually my gear. Beautiful. Yeah. So that was <laughs> over... Um, Oh, close to the gazebo. So I dropped all my gear at a lamppost and, and I went off running. By this point, there was know, maybe a handful of humans left. But what the zombies hadn't realized is there was a guy with a villainator that had a proud papa mounted to it, kind of back in the wooded area behind the gazebo. And they were paying more attention to the crazy antics that were going on down at the far end with the Prometheus and the players that had run back into the safe zone. So they weren't paying as close attention as they probably should. And this human player with the Villainator and the Proud Papa got close enough and actually killed Z with a Mega. So now all the zombies are on their last life. Um, and you've got a Nemesis and a Prometheus down at the far end kind of just hailing ammo. Uh... Alex did his best to create a shield phalanx um, and, and organize. That was pretty, got, pretty worked well. Yeah. Sorry, it worked pretty well, yeah. It did. Um, we, got, we, got, we got right up to them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Dan had told me after the fact he only had 10 rounds left in the Prometheus. If we had lasted <laughs> yeah. a little bit longer in formation, we probably would have outran him. Um, so it got to the point where there were only a couple of zombies left, and I think there were maybe two or three humans. Um. And at this point, like it was clearly over. Um, and I know a lot of campuses live and die by the zombies always win mentality. So Mike goes, humans, you did a great job and you're going to hate me for what's about to happen next. And he raises his hand. He goes, I am a touch respawn. So all the zombies got to come back to life and they went and hunted down the last few humans that had survived. And the zombies won the day. There was there was a little bit of confusion with that retreating into the grotto point. Yeah, and I'm sure you're about to bring this up. That that's for a lot of people that that constitutes abandoning the mission. Um, and I think they discussed that that was just kind of moderator error in the moment. A, a the human mod basically said, "Go get more mega," because they thought they had lost everyone with a mega dart at yeah. that point. And so it was a little, you know. No one was sure what happened there. If the humans died because they went in, if they were still in, then they, you know, technically were dead, but then they engaged the zombies. And, you know, ultimately, though, 
despite the little bit of confusion, it didn't change the total outcome. Uh, and I think everyone still had a ton of fun. It was it was a fantastic final stand, in my opinion. Yeah, I, the only thing I wish is, in hindsight, like, okay, I get your school plays by the zombies always win mentality. And I mentioned this in my feedback form, too. If there is any possibility whatsoever of the humans actually completing the objective, like, look, first of all, I probably would have made it more than one mega to kill Z. Like I, so I probably that could just be dumb luck. <laughs> could get that. Yeah. Um. But so let's say that they do complete the objective. You know, make it so that you know instead of dying when Z gets hit by the third um, dart, they turn into like an unkillable zombie or something. Uh, or you know, like you have to collect the four artifacts and you know hit her with the throne four artifacts. You know, something that is even more outrageously unachievable if if that if your goal is that the zombies are always going to win build in storyline backups um i appreciate that you know in the heat of the moment that was the best that could be come up with and, and it worked and it was you know it was the last couple of minutes of gameplay anyways and you know who who really cares uh I, honestly i i think in my books i i would have called that a human win because a human legitimately did achieve the objective and the humans fought the zombies down to the last man. It was, it was close no matter what. Yeah. Um, either way. So I, I think you're right, though. I think having having that kind of, oh, you're going to not like this, aha moment for locals who are used to that, that's great. But when you're doing an invitational, like you said, having, some, having the story backup, the thematic backups in there, um, to, to ensure what you kind of your desired goal makes it feel more legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the end of the game. So then we had uh, awards and um, Dan, I think, got what? Best human? I think Dan got it was actually best human moment. Best human moment. Because That's they right. kind of went where they did like best moments and then they did best players. Right. Yes. So I think we were kind of nominating best players first too <laughs> yeah so dan, yeah, dan got way. best moment um and then cody got best human for keeping your ass alive yeah <laughs> um, and then i don't remember who got best zombie or best zombie um best zombie i don't remember his name but he was the oh he was one guy. of the starter zombies yeah 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 he was pretty he intense just, he, he harassed us every mission yeah even the little side quest, he, you know, he was just kind of there on our periphery and he was always just smiling at us, yeah. like just waiting for a moment. Yeah. So he did, he did fantastic. Cause yeah. he was just that perfect level of menacing us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know Taskmaster got nominated for that one as well, because when we were going up the stairs on the other side of rainbow bridge for mission three, he was kind of just standing there like zombie screaming at us with his you know full body armor and his his hammer and axe and just kind of adding to the ambiance you know he wasn't actually in play he wasn't able to tag or anything uh but it, it was a cool little moment um great it was a cool moment but it was one point we brought up later of players not removing headbands he had left his headband on so oh, the humans yeah oh I, right. I i think even cody mentioned something to him going by like hey 
you can you at least take your headband off if you're stunned? Yeah. Like it's cool that you're posing here yeah. and, and being menacing, but and I honestly let's think that was just an oversight because Taskmaster also like betrayed the zombies because it was was it Cody was the last one coming up and said something yeah. to the effect of <laughs> oh I'm the last one and and Taskmaster went no you're not and Cody looked around saw three zombies booking up towards him and so Cody <laughs> knew that he was actually in danger so. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think the not removing the headband was just an oversight on his part. Yeah. I think he was also the player that was twirling a weapon around, and people thought there was a third boomer at final stand. That yeah. was him twirling his hammer because the other people got to twirl things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, and and I think, yeah. I think the confusion for those type of things is just a matter of. This is the first time they had outside players coming in. They had never really thought about people like getting in full dress up gear, having accessories that might not be functional in gameplay. Um, you know, and That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and then, you know, so in final stand, they actually used one of Taskmaster's axes as a boom staff because the club apparently doesn't have their own boom staff yet because I brought ours down from Z13 as well as a few shields. Uh, and those all got used during final stand, but, uh, they used the ax as a boomer staff, which is fine, but then they let taskmaster keep the hammer that he had. And he was also swinging that around. So there was some confusion because, uh, he was swinging around, but he didn't have the yellow bandana. So they weren't sure if he was a boomer. Um, so I would advise that the club takes a look at, um, you know, at the very least announcing and showing and standardizing what your props are going to look like, you know, I, in the moment, okay, you did what you had to, you know, we, we brought down the Z13 boomer staff for them to use, and then they wanted to have another boomer. So they grabbed another implement similar to the staff. Um, but you know, then at that point, maybe, you know, say that melee weapons aren't, uh, allowed, you know, even if it's just for show type situation, cause it can, you know, run into, confusing situations um what else let's go back you know so we talked about juggernaut versus boomer so this is this is one thing i would strongly encourage the grove city college club to look at you know there there is a difference between having things that make your your game your club your campus unique and having unique rules i I think that HVZ is at a point in the hobby that players who like us or players like Brain and Cody who have graduated from their alma mater and are going around to other campuses, we don't want to have to memorize 10 different rule sets and try to keep them separate. You know, we've mentioned here Alex was a juggernaut for Final Stand, which used the exact same rules as... Uh, Ohio tank. We spent just as much clarifying Ohio tank as we did saying juggernaut. Um, So I would encourage the Grove City Club to kind of standardize their rules um, to what the community at large is used to seeing. Just And for the most part, a lot of what they do is very similar. They have the same tag zones. They have... um, Uh, They did do internal stun timers, which I don't think ever really caused much of an issue um, instead of just being like on the rolling fives or rolling tens. Um, 
the names of the specials, I think, was definitely confusing. Um, what ammo took care of what specials was also... It was a cool mechanic because they had... You had three, basically... You had three, uh, like, calibers of ammunition. You had regular darts. You had megas and socks were the higher caliber. And then the highest caliber were rockets and mega XL. Um, but I think if they had gone through and just classified the types of ammo as heavy, medium, and light, and just said, okay, regular zombies can be taken out by any ammo, uh, special zombies, so like your tanks and your, uh, no, I'm sorry, not your tanks, so like your boomers uh, could be taken out by um, medium ammo. So your um, their tanks were their tanks were that medium ammo, okay. which is again to the naming conventions. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I think if instead of just calling out specific ammo each time you talked yeah. about a special, if they just said, okay, this is a this is a juggernaut, you need heavy ammo for him. This is a tank, you need medium ammo for him. This is a boomer, you need medium ammo for him. Or you can use uh, light ammo on the boomer and it'll pop him. Um, just that type of standardization would help eliminate a extra time spent explaining and b confusion because during mission two on our escort when we were taking rust out to the glitch there was a special who kept claiming that she was only affected by socks and pistols which struck everybody as weird but we kind of rolled with it and later found out that it was supposed to be Sox and Megas, which at that point we would have easily been able to take that special out. Um, there, that special was apparently mixing up her mechanic with the no flywheeler uh, escort mission that um, Mike's character was supposed to be playing. Um, but, you know, just, again, just some standardization. Um, you know, and I even... Um, I think in my feedback form, I mentioned like, um, listing out the mechanics of specials on like a little cheat card that you could give to your moderators or players that are doing them so that they can reference back to that. So that way it's written down, it's documented. There's no question how their mechanic works. Um, but I, I definitely enjoyed having to strategize and trying to account for, bringing in the heavy ammo, the rockets or the mega XL. Um, because it definitely played a part in our loadout, like Alex and a couple other players definitely were, we were glad they had the mega XL blasters. You know, I never, they fired my mega XL the entire day. No, no. Every time someone else would do it before me. <laughs> Oh. So I had a big rig that I had managed to holster somehow yeah. <laughs> to the point where people were taking pictures of it. Um, and it only fell out once during a sprint, but uh, no, I never shot it the entire day. You know what though? I tell you what, if a single blaster were to get MVP for the uh, invitational, it has to be the proud Papa. Cause it got the kill <laughs> on the final, on the big boss. And it allowed so many more of us to be able to fire megas off of our primary blasters. Um, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed having my proud papa. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I think my biggest 
suggestion that I would urge is to, you know, standardize those those rules. You know, you guys have some great, unique stuff to your campus. Again, I can't say how much I enjoyed the immersion of using that little grotto area as the briefing area. It really lent itself to the immersion. Um, you know, I, I would encourage them to utilize that as much as they possibly can, which I, unfortunately, apparently the paths down there close at dusk. You know, they don't want anybody down in that area after dusk, which I, I can understand. But if you design your schedule so that your final stand briefing happens right at dusk, you can tell players, okay, when we leave this area, we're not coming back. So don't come to final stand with anything other than you want to take with you into the final stand. And then, you know, you can actually do your, um, you know, your awards and your zombie prayer and everything else, um, you know, out in the final stand area, whether it's, you know, by the gazebo where we did, or if they take it up onto the main green or, uh, if they get to play in the football stadium, wherever you can do your awards anywhere, but, uh, you know, stretching it out a little bit, I think would be nice, you know, do a mission for zero on Friday, show people around campus that way, and then have your final stand a little bit later. Maybe let people go get dinner before final stand, bring them back you know, right at dusk to do the briefing, go out. And then, you know, afterwards people can go out and party, go to the bars or if they can find one in Grove city (laughs) or whatever. But, um, you know, they definitely have some, um, really cool characteristics to the campus they play on. And, um, they, they clearly have a creative staff for creating, for writing their modules. Um, so, you know, like I said at the beginning, they have a very good foundation, and I can't wait to see how they build on it. Um, my one recommendation in addition to that was something I believe I put on my feedback form, which was they, I think they played it safe with their missions for their first invitational because the vast majority, even with side quests, tended to be escort missions. That is true. Um, it was very, I don't want to say it was on the rails because I feel like we, we did have freedom um, to kind of make tactical decisions, but it was definitely not, you know, open campus gameplay either. Um, we were we were always accompanying an NPC to a target. Uh, the one time I think there was no NPCs involved was one of the side quests where we had to go get ale from the... Um, for the bar or something. Yeah. And so we had to go over to that gazebo and find water jugs and bring them back. Well, and you know, I think, I think maybe because of wanting to keep people on lower campus for time reasons, they didn't really have any quests that went up into, um, upper campus, but maybe that's something that you, they could consider for next time is, you know, have some quests that actually go further on out and okay. It's going to take them a lot longer and maybe that's the only quest they get to do during mission two, but make it worth a lot more points. You know, make it right. you know, harder, and you know, have a dedicated mod or two to be tormenting, you know, the players that do take that mission on. You know, part of that might be their their relationship with their college and their campus, and maybe, you know, maybe the the idea of allowing strangers with nerf blasters to run freely across campus is not something they could do. Um, you know, I don't have that insight to know that. I just know 
from my limited point of view, it, it definitely felt very on the rails at times on a campus that felt like it would be wonderful to be let off the leash a little bit more. Yeah. You know, there were some, there were some areas that I could see it, you know, a small group of humans deciding to do this and go here and it either, you know, it creating those, those moments of HVZ where, you know, something great happens or something horrible happens. There was, um, (laughs) Trying that to, one alleyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember where that was. I I don't know if that it was, was in the science engineering was building. It? it was it was in between. Because yeah, thought... if you if you zoom in on a map, you can see it. You have to zoom yeah. in really close, but it's two buildings. Because I thought that that alleyway kind of emptied out onto a parking lot. No, and, I and don't think so. Maybe I'm thinking of the road that runs between the um the residence hall and the physical learning center. I'm not sure. It but could you, be, yeah, it it in that alleyway wasn't it wasn't even a straight shot. You had to kind of move back and it forth. It curved. Yeah. yeah, it had blind corners through it. Yeah. We only went through it once or twice. Yeah, um, but um, there are and some. Neither time was it crazy, but it it could have been. That would be a great, great corridor. <laughs> yeah, there are some very cool parts of campus. Um, yeah, you know the little wooded area that we were in for the first hold point during mission three was neat. Um, cause it was like true, like wooded areas. It wasn't just like a few trees on either side of a path. Um, you know, so that was a neat area to play in, uh, the alleyway, like, like, uh, uh, Alex was just talking about, um, you know, the, the, um, the one area we, we went a couple of times for the, uh, the first MacGuffin in mission four and for the one quest in mission two, there's like a U shaped building that's, uh, apartments. It would be interesting to play a little bit more over there, I think. Uh, there's some interesting uh, architecture and, and, and layout and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they, they have a very, they have a campus very tailored to the size of group we had, which I think we had, what, about 100 players? I don't, I don't know if it was quite that high, but it was still at least... 60. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely more than we had at Athens, and Athens is, <laughs> yeah. is a huge campus. That is something else that I have to call out. You know, everybody calls out Athens for being, you know, hills, and, and you're you're really going to, you know, work out and be tired at the end. Grove City is deceiving. You know, there aren't any, like, massive hills that you're going up, except for, like, the stairs from lower campus to upper campus. But... Everywhere you're walking, you're either going up or down. Just a little bit. Just enough to make you a little bit more tired. So by the end of the day... all the gradual slope. (laughs) We were exhausted. Um, But yeah, it was was a really good experience all around. Uh, We made some friends with Franz Foamworks. Um, They were interested to hear about uh, Z13 and how... It's kind of self-sustaining at this point because he he wanted to know what I do to advertise to bring in numbers. I was like, man, I'll be honest, I don't do anything. It's self-sustaining at this point. It's like the uh, the uh, reactor from Spider-Man Two. <laughs> I just don't need the extra arms to uh, to keep it in check. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I do need the extra arms to keep it in check. That's why I have Alex and Adam helping out now. <laughs> Adam, did we lose you? Did you fall asleep on us? 
Do you enjoy hearing about it? No, no. I I was just living vicariously through there and kicking myself that I wasn't able to make it. But it, it, will, it was a blast. And, I will go next time. And and we already know the next time. It's going to be in April. And the tentative date that that uh, Mike has thrown out is April 23rd. So that would be the fourth weekend because April actually has five weekends next year. So that would be the fourth weekend, April 23rd. So probably, you know, if they take our suggestion to heart, there'd be a Mission Zero Friday night, the 22nd, gameplay on the 23rd, maybe travel home on the 24th. Um, and it's supposed to be We're really... Just, uh, what? Talk about some PvP as well. Oh, there yeah. There was some talk about potentially doing some PvP afterwards as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So maybe. maybe on oh, Sunday. Um, and the theme... Willy Wonka and the Willy Wonka. Factory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah. We have little Oompa Loompa zombies running around at us. So I'm definitely going to do everything I can to make it back out for that one because, uh, you know, the the layout, the campus itself, um, um, combined with a solid um, club planning the invitational um and using, for the most part, rules that we're familiar with, uh, made for a very enjoyable week and weekend, not week. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like I was starting to say, I think um, you know we got to meet the guys from France Foamworks and hang out with them. Really, really cool guys. Um, would love to see them kind of get some more street cred. You know, everybody knows foam blasting out of darts, but. Uh, you know, you've, you've got other stores out there like Blastercore and France Foamworks and uh, um, Turf Springs. And, and there are plenty of other good quality vendors in our hobby that I would love to see get some more uh, representation. Um, yeah. Alex, any final thoughts? I'm trying to think. Um, no, I just I echo a lot of what you said where, you know, we have constructive criticism but in the grand scheme of things it it's not that much criticism it's just like ways to make a really good event even better next time um now for any listeners who don't know i'm very new to hvc this was my second invitational uh i've been to a lot of z13s but i had only been to a game in athens before this and um, we're not going to talk about Athens, but this was a miles and miles and miles better experience for me than that other game was. Not to say that other game was bad or not fun, but this just, they did a really good job. It, it really, like, I just can't say how, how well they did for, especially knowing this was their first invitational. Yeah, it was so much fun. It, it was their first invitational open, somewhat open to people from outside the college. I am curious to know how many events they have held that have just been them. You know, are they doing week longs? Are they doing weekend events where it's just their club members? Cause I think some of the things that we saw, um, you know, some of the mentalities like the run and gun and, and, and some of the things that we, we kind of questioned and weren't used to, may have just developed from being a closed club play style where they're not getting to see many other players, you know, that have experienced 
multiple campuses and multiple, um, you know, invitational writing styles. So I, I'm curious how many internal events they have had. Exactly what what it was. It was a local style had developed in their club that fit their players and their missions and led to, you know, some tactical mishaps because not all the players coming in played that style or, you know, were wanting to do that all the time. But yeah, that's just, and that's something I think that I think one of the things, you know, I mentioned in my feedback form, this can be my final thought was that get their players and especially their mod team to travel to other events and other invitationals and see what else is out there because they've got such a good basis that if they're able to get more exposure to other people's game types and other specials and other, you know, ways missions are run and whatnot, uh, it's just going to make what's already good even better. Yeah. Um, you know, and, so yeah. and I think that that area, the Pennsylvania area is poised for an HVZ renaissance or a resurgence because in addition to Grove City College, you also have Geneva College. Uh, who they joined us at Athens, or uh, yeah, Athens as well. Um, so this was our second time hanging with them. Um, you know, you've got Penn State as not too far away, I believe. Um, so you have several colleges with active clubs in the area. So they have the foundation to be what Ohio HVZ was, you know, seven, eight years ago. Um, and And I hope that they take that torch and run with it because as much as I love my Ohio HVZ Youngstown and, and BG and whatnot, I, I think that the, the sun is kind of set on, on that venue, that, that, uh, that chapter of HVZ, so to speak. Now, if we can just make it down to Gator country and experience some of their HVZs. <laughs> yeah. That's, I've been seeing those. Those look crazy. Yeah. Okay, well, we've uh, <laughs> effectively kept Adam quiet all all of this episode uh, while Alex and I uh, played storyteller. Um, should we do some shout-outs? Um, I think should we plug a should we plug the our first annual secret Xanta? Yeah, so it, entry is already closed at this point, um, but. If it does well, it's something we will look to do again next year. We are hosting a Zecret Zanta instead of Secret Santa because <laughs> there's zombies, because we all love yeah. HVZ here. Um, it was open to Patreons and past guests this time um, to kind of keep a controlled pool of uh, candidates. Um, so I'm sure that at least the four of us uh, will be talking on the show um, mid to late December about what we get. Um, but if you are interested in, in future events like this, you know, obviously it was open to past guests, but, uh, the other way that people got into this one was being a Patreon for us. Um, so feel free to look into being a Patreon. You can find us on Patreon, Detroit Dart Talk. Um, you can also, um, you know, PM us through the discord if you're interested in those, that information. Um, uh, but we do, 
you know, do special stuff for our Patreons um, because we very much appreciate their support because it gives us the money to do things like um, upgrade our equipment and, you know, do swag and uh, pay off the debts that we have accrued um, purchasing the recording equipment and whatnot um, and trying to save up for new equipment and pay for our hosting service so that you guys can go back and listen to episode one, which reminds me, uh, something we are going to be looking to do in the near future is, uh, kind of, you know, Walcom has his, uh, blast from the past series where he showcases vintage blasters, uh, on the discord, um, every week or two, uh, one or more of the hosts will be on and we will stream through discord one of our past episodes. And in the um, the voice chat channel, we'll host discussion about whatever we were talking about in that episode. So it'll be a great way for you guys to listen to some old content and kind of pick our brains about uh, about the episode and and you know how that episode holds up to what's going on in the hobby today and stuff. So. Um, look for the first of those probably next week. Uh, this is November 2nd. So honestly, by the time you guys hear this episode, it'll probably be the week of. We'll probably put this episode out there and then uh, probably mid uh, second week of November. So like maybe the 9th, 10th, 11th, somewhere in there, we'll be looking to host our first uh, uh, Blast from the Past uh, stream episode. Uh, also coming up uh, in the near future, um, we are going to have our HVZ Dream Theme series. Um, and as we've been having trouble aligning all four of our hosts' um, schedules, and we may turn this into more of like a uh, listener live type form like we used to do, where um, anybody can tune in and listen like our Patreons always can. Um, but every, anybody can tune in and listen and kind of comment and, and say what they think about the different parts of uh, the uh, dream HVZ themes that uh, the four of us have each come up with uh, as we talk through them. And then we also got some other guests lined up, uh, some familiar names from the, uh, the Discord uh, that you might be used to seeing. So uh, lots of stuff to come. Um, so yeah, so that's... that's uh, quite a sneak peek into upcoming stuff um anything else we want to talk out talk about before we move on to shout outs i think that that covers current events i mean as the year winds down you know folks are getting busy with family and etc so yeah um definitely some exciting stuff to come yeah yeah so adam who's your shout out then oh that's tough i've been in dormancy dealing with house things and moving it doesn't always have um, to be nerf related no, it's true. It's true. Uh, let's see. I will uh, shout out my my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. They've been really great uh, recently coming to uh, help take care of the baby. And uh, they'll be helping us move here soon. So uh, it's, it's really nice to have good in-laws, good grandparents for your kids. Um, cause it's just, sometimes it's like, you just want to go see a movie or something, you know? So I went on, I went to go see a movie with my wife 
the other week and it was just nice you know so it was it was a good refresher i cannot second having a nice support system that allows you to do stuff like that every so often um as well um you know uh, i'm so jealous right now <laughs> uh, we are my my family is extremely blessed that we have both my parents and my wife's parents as well as a set of siblings each um that we can fall back on um when it comes to things like that so um yeah i absolutely know where you're coming from there alex you got a shout out yeah, and I do too. Absolutely. I'm a guest. I'm special. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> All right. So um, these are both going to be related to Grove City. Uh, first one, I've talked about him before already. Uh, shout out to Cody, our good friend, um, just for keeping my slow butt alive on a bum ankle. Um, and just, just, just to be fun. Like he changed his play style up when he saw Tim get turned. And, you know, we were the only two from our, you know, Airbnb left alive at that point. And we kind of just made a pact that we were going to make sure we got through those missions. Um, and it, you know, and it, it, it definitely, that camaraderie made that a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm still talking about it, you know, a week, two weeks later or whatever. Like it. It, it was one of those great moments of HVZ that I'll probably always just remember for silly reasons. Just that, yeah, buddy, I'm going to keep you alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cody is um, one of the first people that I ever really met in the hobby outside of our, like, like immediate club. And I, he is, he's not just good people. He's great people. He really is. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. Um, my second shout out is to Tim, Aww. you, uh, for driving, uh, chauffeuring us all the way from Michigan um, and allowing us to cram all of our gear into your Jeep. <laughs> oh, that was my pleasure. Uh, and for, and honestly, in that and like setting up the Airbnb, like you, you did a lot to make this, that trip happen and make us able to easily go on it. So I wanted to just say thank you for all that you did. Uh, because it was a really, really, really fun time. Well, so thank you, truly. I'm very glad you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that you went. Um, you know, if we had not gotten the group together that we did, it would have been a lot harder for me to do this on my own. Although I might have just uh, reached out to Mike and looked into crashing on somebody's floor, even though the thought of doing that at the age of 40 is kind of cringe. But um, yeah, I, I really... Uh, I'm appreciative of you guys for, you know, pitching in and, and, and going too because it, it made it all possible. But uh, I'm glad you came. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, my shout-out is to our friend Dan. It's Gunther, who um, invited my family to go with him and his uh, girlfriend to um, the KOA camp in Port Huron the weekend of Halloween. Uh, where he proposed. So I got to be present where he uh, proposed to his uh, now fiance. And uh, I was uh, very honored to be part of that uh, uh, joyous occasion. So uh, congratulations to It's Gunther. Um, we, we wish you uh, the best of luck in your, your new family that you are building for yourself. And uh, congratulations. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, 
yeah. So if you enjoyed this, just like I mentioned earlier, stay tuned. We've got uh, some really creative HVZ uh, dream themes coming up soon, and uh, a lot of other content as well. Um, as always, we, we love you all, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Hashtag free stuff. Oh, yeah. Free stuff. Sorry, pause. I hear you, but I don't see you. There you are. <clears throat> Ow. Oh. oh, what happened? <laughs> what the hell? That one. What? I hit the mic and the monitor turned off. What? How the hell did that happen?